in a world where jobs are how most people make money. One man, one desire, one challenge dares to break the mold. Welcome to the Old Dogs REI Network, where we don't work for money. Money works for us. Coming soon. Viewer discretion advised. Welcome to the Old Dogs REI Network, where cash flow is king. Real estate investing, the means, so you can enjoy your retirement dreams. This is the show where we cut right to the chase. No sales pitch, no long monologues, just simple how-to real estate investing advice, so you can earn the passive income you need to enjoy your retirement today. And now, your host and chief old dog, Bill Manassero. Welcome to the Old Dogs REI Network. I'm your host, Bill Manassero, and this is the show where 50 plusers and anyone else who wants to join us get solid, no sales pitch real estate investing advice to help generate real cash flow. This podcast airs twice weekly on Mondays and Fridays. And if you aren't already a subscriber, go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, type in Old Dogs, D A W G S find our podcast and subscribe. Well, I am stoked about today's guest. Okay. And I'm, I guess I have to give a disclaimer here because uh, it is somebody that I know, actually somebody that I've worked with very successfully in uh, Indianapolis market. And uh, I'm talking about Corey Gardner. Corey started his real estate career in 2016 as an investor in Chicago. Now, today he is the managing broker of a boutique real estate brokerage, Gardner Property Group, based in downtown Indianapolis. Corey works in both commercial and residential investment real estate with a core mission to facilitate transactions with hyper-local market expertise, first-class advisory services, and aggressive negotiations. And I can verify all of those areas that he has been outstanding working with me. But uh, again, I, I'm going to keep let you guys keep an open mind. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Corey Gardner, welcome to the Old Dogs REI Network. Thank you so much, Bill. I appreciate those kinds of words. Uh, well, it is great having you on. And, I'm super uh, happy to be here. Uh, yeah, this is great. You know, I I think one of the things that um, I really haven't covered enough, and, and I have had my share of uh, brokers on, um, is that sort of interpersonal side of brokering. I think one of the things that even got me even talking to you was um, the fact that you were approachable, that you... Um, you, I mean, you understand the client mindset, I guess, because you are an investor. Right. And so um, it was just, it was really easy. And, and some people, I, you know, I, I, you know, I've dealt with and even done deals with in the past. Uh, you know, that was not always the case. And uh, so anyway, I, I just, uh, I wanted to, uh, you know, talk to you about that aspect, about how people can really get to, you know, get to 
make contact with good people like you that they can have a long-term relationship with like we have. So, Definitely. Uh, but first, before we get started, our, sure. our, our audience likes to know about you. Who is the real Cory Gardner? Okay. Yeah, who so- is the real Cory Gardner? Can he <laughs> please stand up here? Um, yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll give you some, some background, maybe, maybe from the start and, um, you know, talk a little bit about actually how I found you initially. Cause I think that's how we got introduced. Um, I, you know, I grew up in Fort Wayne, Indiana, um, went to school at IU in Bloomington, uh, moved to Chicago. That's where I got started. But, uh, you know, and I've always been in sales my whole life. Prime example of this in middle school, I was selling candy out of my locker at a candy business. And so that's kind of where I got my start in sales. And that just progressed on. I was selling um, HR software uh, in Chicago. And that was kind of where I, I dove in. But real estate for me kind of started well before that. When I was at IU, uh, I had you know no real interest in in the the um, curriculum that I was studying. I was studying psychology. Truthfully, it was just so I could understand myself because I thought I was crazy, and so I could understand other people. Uh, but I also knew that those skills that I was learning and understanding the mind and psychology, the way people think, was going to be applicable no matter what I did, no matter what uh, field of work I went into. Um, interacting with people is going to be important. And so you pair that with, um, you know, my my background in sales just growing up. And I was in a, a network marketing company in college. And I learned just so much talking to people. I learned so much about the mind and the way things work. I I truly believe a lot of those, that that core skill set has kind of set me up for success, success here in real estate and really everything that I do um, on a daily basis. Um so that's that's kind of the high level background. You know, I'd always had this idea that I wanted to be in sales or business in some capacity. Didn't really know what it was. When I graduated and I was working in Chicago, um, you know, I, I was working for an early stage startup and loved the environment. I loved the hustle and the entrepreneurial spirit in that space. At the time, had already sort of decided that real estate was what I needed to get into. But I didn't know how at that time. If we rewind a couple of years before then, when I'm back at IU in in Indiana, in Bloomington, Indiana, I had a one of my landlords owned it was 20 or 22 doors, just outright cash that he had built up over the years, and that was an incredible thing for me to understand. Number one, not having any debt on his properties because it was pure cash flow outside of his operation expenses. Um, but that he had a portfolio that big and, you know, as a, as a kid, not being around real estate growing up, that was a foreign concept to me. And, uh, that's sort of where I think I caught the bug initially, but it didn't come to fruition. Uh, you know, I had to nurture it for, you know, a couple of years after that. So, um, you know, jumping around a lot there, but you know, the long short of it is I've kind of always been in sales and real estate was sort of a natural progression for me. Well, you've got you've got the right personality for it. I'll tell you, it's just um, thank you. Yeah. No, it really is uh, uh, conducive to you know investors. You know, I mean, we're kind of focused, you know, single minded sometimes, and uh, um, and for somebody to understand it or understand us, uh, you know, is is a challenge sometimes. And um, and there are you know there are certain brokers that just. Um, 
you know, they, 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 they want to classify you as soon as they talk to you, you know, and they kind of find a slot to put you in. You, you don't make a person feel like that at all. You may be doing it, but it's, it's, sure. it's not <laughs> obvious, you know? And so it's, it's kind of neat because you, you, you know, you treat everybody like they're the, you know, the biggest deal, you know, kind of deal. Yep. And, and I think that that, that is really, um, really key, but, uh, that's, that's neat. Well, you know, I, I think one of the things that, um, a lot of folks want, you know, want to know, and then especially people starting out, or maybe it's a person, for example, who is, you know, has a few single family homes and they've, you know, never really had to, um, you know, develop those relationships um, because they've only got a couple of things, but they're looking at multifamily now and they're thinking, you know, God, it'd be nice to get a you know, fourplex or an eightplex or maybe even 16 unit or whatever. Um, and how do I do that? Um, and and this is another thing I think that, again, is sort of a benefit here. And I, I hope I don't sound like I'm trying to sell you too hard here because I, I, I'm just <laughs> I'm just talking about, you know, the experience and, and how, you know, working with you is, you know, that you, you also help people, you know, kind of know what to do, what not to do and, sure. um, and what to look for and what not to look for. And, um, but I think the thing that stands out is, you know, being an advocate for that, that client. So, um, you know, maybe you could talk a little bit about that is, you know, how do you get to know, um, uh, clients how do clients get to know you and you know how does how do those you know you could even talk about our you know how we connected yeah um, and kind of you know, expand that out to, to how you make contact with some of your key clients yeah definitely um I, first and foremost i think it's important to remember that um life in general business in real estate very specifically is all about relationships at the end of the day um very much so if you walk in a room and you don't know anybody and you can walk out of the room and you know every single person, you have expanded, you know, maybe directly your potential earning income, but also future opportunity to do business with these people. Um, you know, that's just a chair on top of the relationship that you now have with maybe friends, uh, maybe life partners, you know, whatever it is. So I think it's number one, it's important to remember that. And then you got to think about, well, how do you build a relationship with somebody? Um, and it's, it's starting out, I think it's, easy to get caught up in, uh, you know, short-sighted thinking, short-term thinking of like, I want success now. I want properties now. I want to do deals now. And you have to remember that like, this is a long game. And if you look at it that way, it's easier to kind of take a step back, relax, just have a conversation with somebody, get to know them. What are they passionate about? You know, what do they like to do on the weekends? Talk about family life, stuff like that at a high level helps you start to just understand where that person is in life. Cause nobody knows everything about the other person. And so for me, at least in my process, and I hate to call it a process because I, I just try to be natural and have a conversation with people. Um, I try not to, to sound like a robot when I'm meeting somebody new. And I just want to, I try to have sort of a, a, a genuine, you know, earnest interest in what's going on. And oftentimes it's a conversation focused around real estate. And so just kind of talking to people and, and really learning and getting to know them and where they're at, I think helps you set up a baseline understanding of, you know, what is this person about? What are they like? Are they, and then, and you know, from there you can build on it. I was like, is this the right type of person for me to be number one, spending my time talking to or spending my time with number two, is this somebody I want to do business with? And I think if you can start to evaluate those things based off that information that you've sort of already gathered beforehand of just having the casual conversation that sets you up for success, uh, no matter what you're going to do beyond that. And that all comes back to the relationship, really psychology, but just having conversations and, and just getting to know people. 
So, you know, applying that specifically to real estate and like building a relationship with a broker or me as a broker building a relationship with clients, it's it's just having conversations. Um, it, it's not super complicated. There's no there isn't a silver bullet to this. But I do think it's important that people have conversations often. They're consistent. You know, they follow up. If you're if you're an investor out there and you're looking at making a connection with a broker or trying to get into a certain market or get into a certain space, you need to know who the players are and you need to either have an introduction to those players. And when I say players, I'm talking about brokers right now. You need to have an introduction to them. And if you can't get one, you need to put your best foot forward and find a way to get in front of them, explain who you are in a simple enough format that they can digest that. And then they're thinking about you the next time that they have a deal come up. And so there's a lot of things that go into that. But again, at the end of the day, it's just getting in front of them and having that conversation and getting to know them. And, you know, I, I have I have a you know people that call me very often. They try and stay in front of me and they do a good job of putting forth the effort. Um, but here's the here's the truth of the matter is I, I don't have enough time today to talk to every single person at all times. So the the better job that an investor can do to make their presentation to a broker and prove maybe not prove, but. Um, showcase that they are serious and focused. They have a business plan. Here's what I do. Here's what I'm looking for. Um, that makes it a lot easier when you're starting that relationship journey, having a conversation um, with that broker that they can look at um, the buyer profile of that person. That's when they're kind of putting that all together. But they can look at that and say, okay, yeah, this is somebody that I want to spend my time with. This is somebody that, you know, if I, we get into a transaction together, I'm not going to dread calling them every day. And if you can present yourself that way, um, you know, the chances of you get a, getting brought a deal or the chances of you being in a transaction with them goes up. So, you know, I think that's the high, high level of it. And there's a lot of stuff in there that's important to think about um, when you're trying to start off building that relationship. Um, I just think it's so important that people remember that it's a long game and it's all about relationships at the end of the day. And if you focus on building that and being patient, things will happen for you over time. Yeah, that's a that's a great, uh, a great attitude. And I, and I like the the statement that it is a long term game. And I think uh, especially for, you know, a lot of these folks that are approaching retirement or in retirement that. You know, the ideal would be to, to find that property that really is um, has the cash flow that you want and need. I mean, you know, maybe, you know, it'll be a little, you know, I don't know, eight unit or it could be, a, you know, a hundred unit. But um, or, or maybe, you know, it's, you know, smaller, too. But uh, the idea is to have it's a, a property that you can get that isn't going to require a lot out of you. And um, where you can have strong property management in place, and then you know you can you hold on to that property indefinitely while it's being paid down, and the and the mortgage is being paid by your your tenants, and you know you, you don't really have to think about it except you know tax yeah. time or whatever. You know, I mean that's kind of like maybe a dreamland, but at the same time, if your broker knows that when you come to them and say, hey, look, I. I I want this to be as passive as it can be. And, um, you know, I know that you have a lot of connections and you can even help, you know, refer to good property management or, you know, an area of town that, you know, look, these properties are not going to be high maintenance because they're in big demand. You can get the best tenants, you know, and, and, you know, you need that kind of person to, to help you out, especially if you're an out of town investor like me. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, 
you said maybe that's a dream. I'm going to disagree with you. I don't think it's a dream. It's absolutely possible. And the reason I say it's possible, it's because I've done it two or three times now, um, you know, w- with my client here in Indianapolis, I have a particular client that's extremely aggressive. And, you know, for the last four years, five years, you know, going on six years of investing with them, um, we've cherry picked deals. Uh, that weren't available at the time, uh, you know, called the seller. It's not a conversation they wanted to have, but because we were focused, consistent, knew exactly what we were looking for and were aggressive with it, and we stayed, you know, we stayed consistent with it. Three years later, you know, we're, I'm, I'm in the transaction trading that deal, selling that deal to them. So it can happen, but it, it requires somebody to, again, think about this is a long game. Maybe it's not going to happen today, uh, but it might happen in, two, three, four years. And if you just remember that and and you're always having those conversations, eventually, you know, it's a numbers game, right? And you have enough conversations out of 100 conversations, one or two of those conversations might turn into something. If you keep having 100 conversations though on a regular basis, those one or two conversations that turn into something, well, over 365 days or, you know, you start stacking that up, the compound effect really starts to work in your favor. So they are far and few between, but it's not impossible. People do it all the time. There's a lot of market activity, even, you know, today in the interest rate environment that we are at, we are right now in the where, where the world is, people are still uh, transacting in the market and people are still buying good deals. So stuff's out there. Um, but again, it comes back to those relationships and, you know, maybe if there's one more thing that I'll add to to set your listeners up for success, if they're looking to, like I said, build a relationship with a broker or just get into a market is, um, you know, having a business plan that's concise and focused on what you're looking for really will set yourselves apart from the competition in terms of investors. You know, the conversation you're having with uh, a REIT, for example, um, super well put together, super formal. It doesn't have to be formal like that, but if you are focus and specific that helps a lot when you're having that conversation with a broker to help find those dream type deals if because if if that's your criteria like hey here's exactly what i'm looking for and you present it to them and you follow up and you you build that relationship and you have those conversations when that comes up or they hear of something or they know hey so and so owners thinking about um you know disposing of this asset and they know that your criteria is exactly what that building fits you might be the first person they call but if you never put that, you know, uh, um, executive summary together, if you never have those conversations with them, who knows what you're missing out on? So you recommend, a, you know, a, a document that that somebody would actually give to you that would help you to have a better idea of what their, um, uh, you know, what their goal is, their 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 you know, target. Yeah, no, I, I do. I do recommend that, and I'll explain why. It maybe it sounds like I'm I'm trying to be lazy, but I, I don't think I I'm trying to be lazy. I think I'm trying to make the job and let me put it this way: the service that I want to deliver to my clients, I want to do that in as streamlined a fashion as possible. I want it to be an a, amazing experience for them to work with me. If they make it easy for me to do that, it's a lot easier for me to deliver that you know white glove service. So if they're coming to me with a very refined, specific set of criteria, and I I like to see an executive summary if I'm working with somebody new or at least understanding their background, if they're presenting that to me and, you know, it's it's easy to, to digest, it showcases their experience, whatever it is. Well, now I know I have something, number one, that I can reference. Number two, I know that they're focused, they're committed to this. And if I come to them with an opportunity, 
I don't have to question whether or not they're going to take a serious look at it and get back to me uh, because they've presented, hey, look, I'm a serious person. Here's my background. Or even if they don't have experience, here's what we're looking for. Here's how we're going to get this done. Having that put together makes my job easier. But in turn, it really ends up affecting the investor because if they're presenting it that way to me, when I find something, it's easy for me to give it to them. All right. Great. Great. Great information. Um, give me an example. Uh, well, yeah, I hate to kind of focus on negative, but um, maybe um, what would be something that a new person trying to, you know, make contact with you and to start to build a relationship? What is something that people do that they just shouldn't do? <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah, no, I, I mean, sure, there's a lot of those. But the first one that came to mind when you said that was if I ask what are you looking for? And I get a response like, well, you know, I'm just looking for good deals, something that's going to cash a little well. And, you know, I'm looking to be just kind of hands off. Okay. So does the other, you know, 20,000 <laughs> investors that are looking in this market here. I need to, I need to know, here's, I'll give you a, a quick quote. I heard this, uh, Jesse Itzler said this. I don't know if you know who he is. Um, he said, you know, why are you a special brownie? And I'm not talking about those special brownies. I'm talking about why is your business plan unique? Why are you a unique investor? And why should I give you attention? You need to sell yourself to me. Um, and so just being general and broad and sort of unguided is not going to win my attention if I'm talking to somebody. Now, if they're just starting out and you know, maybe they're not ready for it. That's understandable. But if this is something that, you know, you've been thinking about and maybe you've do, been doing your research, you've been listening to uh, this podcast and sort of building the idea in your head of what you want to do, put it to paper, refine it, work on it, figure out exactly what it is you're wanting to do, and then go out and try and find it, get feedback from the market, refine it if you need to, but continue to put forth that effort and put it forward in a clear, concise plan. Uh, because when you're broad in general, at least with somebody like me, um, you know, frankly, it makes me not feel motivated to put in the effort to find opportunities for somebody like that. Right. That's a good point. Um, and, and sort of on the other side of the coin, you know, can you give me an example of somebody that, you know, maybe just cold called you and just uh, did it right? And, you know, maybe they're even a long term client of yours now. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I can think of somebody specific on top of my head. I know that I've had conversations with investors that were either, you know, a referral or an introduction. Maybe they saw me online or they may have even heard my name mentioned on a podcast. And so they reached out and they were very, they were very specific. They said, Hey, here's what I currently own. This is what I've done. Maybe it's in a different market. Oftentimes it's out of state, you know, California or a coastal market. Here's what I've done. Here's what I'm looking to get into. I like the Indianapolis market for the 3000 reasons that they are. And, you know, is this something that you feel like you can help me find? Are you, you know, they were in, almost interviewing me as, as a broker, you know, do you find these types of opportunities? And that gives me an opportunity to say, you know, yes, I do, or maybe no, I don't. Or if I do talk about some of the recent ones. Um, but I know that I've had those conversations where I, where I left, I hung up the phone and I thought, hmm, this is somebody that, you know, knows what they were talking about such that if I found an opportunity, I would be able to filter it using their criteria without even talking to them initially. And that type of presentation or conversation with an investor, uh, you know, makes my life a lot easier. It makes your life a lot easier if it's, if it's a good deal for you. So I, I can't think of anybody specific, but, um, 
and you know maybe I'm talking circles of just stay focused and have have your have your ducks in a row. But I know that I've had conversations with folks that again knew what knew what their background was. They kind of put it together and they knew what they were looking for and how to execute that business plan. Really is the most important part. I think that's great, great advice, because I, I think that you're going into a new market. Yeah, there's going to be those that are just fishing and, and trying to figure out if Indianapolis is a good market. So um, but then then they're going to take a lot of your time sometimes for you to have to sell them on the market, which you might not, may not be time for, you know, right. may not have the time to do that. So right. doing their homework and checking out the market first before trying to build those broker relationships, yep. which is what I think I heard you say is yep. is really smart and uh, a good a good approach to to do 100%. I remember when I first got started, you know, I was uh I think I had uh, uh one of my uh, first contacts were like Dave Lindahl's uh in yeah. his, his organization and stuff. And uh you know, there was there was always talk about yeah, you just got to get those pocket listings, okay? <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh so everybody's out there thinking, "Oh yeah, I got to get the pocket listing," you know, which is, you know, for those that don't know what that is, that's that those are those exclusive, you know, off-market properties that brokers, you know, have in their pockets supposedly. No. But it's uh, <laughs> you know, that 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 going to make available to really their best clients, you know, um and so that uh, you know, that I know I was real naive too, and as I'm calling people and stuff like that, and I'm thinking, well, um, yeah, do you got any pocket listings? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, these guys are probably yeah. going, oh man, this guy. Yeah. Gonna be. Uh, but uh, but you know, maybe you could talk a little bit about that because one thing sure. I, I got to say again, and okay, again, disclaimer because I really love your approach, but you know, was the fact that we just sold two properties one you know fairly sizable and and in in that process we never listed these properties and you right. had people that already <laughs> and and I'm not talking okay now I always thought that like like Oh gosh, you know, if uh, if I'm going to be one of those pocket listings, I don't want to get you know less than market. Right. So here I am. I'm the, on the other side of it. Okay, I'm the pocket listing, so to speak, because you know yep. didn't go on the market, and it, usually those things you think are way below market, but. I, I told you exactly what I wanted. We got exactly what we wanted. We got more in some cases. Right. And and I'm going, okay, this is pretty nice. It's not so bad being the pocket listing guy, you know? Right. Um, but, you know, but on the other hand, you know, you got the person that's going and looking for those. And, and I guess, you know, those were your preferred clients that you were able to just call up and, and share yep. the deals. So. What advice would you have for people? I, I I know that like a brand new person, the first time out, you know, that it's not likely that they're going to find that off market deal. Um, but what advice would you have for people that are, you know, that are trying to build that kind of relationship where they can eventually be the person to get those deals? Yeah. Um, so it's interesting because those, those couple transactions, how, how those ended up going, um, trying to think back, the the group that we ended up selling the larger asset to was somebody that I had been building a relationship with uh, just just that year. But I I knew very specifically what they were looking for. Again, going back to the type of asset and their business plan on how to execute that. Uh, the other other groups that I knew that I was bringing that listing to, a few of them were newer, as in, you know, very fresh introductions to me. Some of them I had been putting opportunities in front of for a little while now. 
at the end of the day, though, what sort of put them all in the same bucket was I I had spoken to them enough and, you know, with enough frequency over the last two, three, four years that I knew if I made the phone call and, you know, just presented the information that I had, obviously as a broker, there's some work that I'm, I'm doing to present all of this data um, so that it's attractive to somebody, but I'm, I'm presenting that information and I knew that I could have a serious conversation with them. Uh, it's not going to just go into their inbox and they're going to forget about it. They're going to look at it and they're going to give me feedback. And somebody that maybe doesn't have that relationship with uh, a broker yet that they're looking for that again, it's coming back to when's the last time you talked to them? Um, when's the last time you, you know, looked for an opportunity to work with them or what I love when I'm bringing um, specifically something that's off market or a pocket listing to an investor. I love it when they get back to me, even if it's a no, when they get back to me very quickly and say, Hey, look, we ran this through our model. Here's what we're looking at. Uh, this isn't a fit. And here's why when that happens quickly, um, that makes me feel good because then I know the next time that I have something, maybe it's a better fit. I know that I can bring it to them and I'm not going to have to be sitting there wondering and guessing what's going on. So I guess what I'm saying to the investor side or your your listeners is get back when somebody puts an opportunity in front of you. You know, everybody, not everybody reads your email right away, but when you do check it over and see if it fits into your model. If you can do that in five or 10 minutes and get back to them, hey, I think this is a fit. I need to do some more looking, but I wanted to let you know that I'm looking into this further. That's positive feedback to me. You know, there's that piece of it. And again, I think that just comes back to the the, the relationship component of having those conversations. Maybe it's uh, getting back to people quickly and following up with them. Um, I think those those two components are what have, you know, for you, they were advantage to you as the seller in those scenarios. I got quick feedback. Maybe they didn't jump on the opportunity right away, but it was something that I knew that they were digging into because I had that relationship with that person. Yeah, that that's really key. Good, good point um, is, you know, sometimes and I've seen this happen with new new people, too, that'll that'll you know be trying to build that relationship. They're, they're talking to this broker and, you know, haven't heard from them, figured they didn't, weren't interested. Then they send them a deal. They look at the deal, you know, in an email or whatever. And they, yeah, it's not it. But they don't get back to the person after they've been trying to right. build this relationship. And I, yep. I've tried to share with people. I go, no, if, if the deal is the worst, you know. I, I mean, some of the other brokers that I had in in Indy in particular, um, you know, part of my challenge was them understanding what what I'm looking for because I would. Yep. I think I, I spelled it out really well, and then all of a sudden, you know, they they do send me something that wasn't you know, what I wanted at all. And uh, if I didn't get back to them and tell them why, then it wouldn't have made any sense. The problem was just <laughs> kept sending this, you know, same thing. Right. And, and, and so I, just, I was, I don't know if I was just on their list and they just kept sending it out, you know, but um, I just felt like, no, you're missing the mark, you know? And I think that's one thing that at least uh, from the standpoint of you and I working together is, um, you know, we, do it. I mean, there's no wasting of time like that. You know, right. it's, uh, I understand exactly what you're looking for, Bill, you know, in this in particular case of, you know, selling. Um, and you didn't bring me people that were, you know, that didn't meet that. And uh, so that was, you know, that I think that's so key. And uh, but on the other hand, you know, the 
the investor has to be able to um, respond and at least give that person, you know, the opportunity to, oh, man, I'm sorry. I didn't, you know, like you said, I, I, that's not what he wanted, but now I know better what he does want. So when I do see it, you know, that I know, you know, and and that's that's the way it should be. That's how people should communicate. Right. So that's a great. What's the great sales point. quote? I think it's like uh, a fast no is better than a slow maybe. Right. You know, it's exactly that. Yeah. Good point. Really good. Good quote. Wow. Well, um, what, um, you know, I mean, you know, our audience that I'm talking about that, you know, we're, we're primarily focused on people, you know, uh, 50 years of age and older, they're approaching retirement, they're, they're, um, or in retirement, they're looking at generating that additional cash flow. Um, and, and I know you've dealt with all kinds of investors and, um, but this is, you know, this is a group that wants to be more passive, but, uh, at the same time, you know, they, they, um, you know, I mean, they want good returns and everything else too. So, um, what what advice would you have for them? And it could be market specific for Indy or just in general. Um, uh, how should they be approaching their um, real estate investing efforts? Yeah, great question. Um, I think there's maybe two things here that I'll say. And let me preface this by saying, you know, I'm probably a lot younger than your audience here, so here's my perspective on what I've seen transacting in this, in this space for the last six years now is number one, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Second best time is today. Um, you got to start, you got to, you got to, um, you have to get out in the market and start poking holes and stuff. And you can't, you can't, uh, there's a really cool book. You can't learn to ride a bike at a, at a seminar. Uh, I think that's the title, but (laughs) conceptually, um, you know, you can't read about push-ups and know how to do push-ups. You have to do push-ups, right? So that's my first piece is like, look, you know, if this is the, this is the space that you want to be spending your time in, if you're looking for more of a, a passive way to create wealth for you and your family, um, you can't just keep reading about it. You have to go out and do, and maybe doing today is just picking up the phone and calling a couple of the brokers in your area that, you know, maybe you find a LoopNet or CoStar or you know, wherever you're finding it. Maybe you ask another investor in a group that you're in, hey, who's somebody that you recommend for this type of an asset? Here's what I'm looking to do. Can you make an introduction? Maybe that's the only doing you're making this month. But that's a lot better than reading the forums or reading another book. Um, so that's the first piece that I would say is, is you know, time is precious. Let's let's make the most of it. Go out there and have the conversation and take the first step. You don't have to, you know, see the whole staircase or whatever that is. Just take the first step and then you can take the second the, the next one after that. Um, the second thing that I'll say that it goes hand in hand with everything else we've been talking about is I'm gonna mess it up. It's from uh Jordan Peterson. It's one of his 12 rules from his, his uh, technically his second book. No, oh, I love George Mitchell. <laughs> you like him? Okay, yeah. great. Then you'll love this. It's focus on one thing as much as you possibly can and see what happens. And what I mean by that is, and maybe there's some other meanings, but what I mean by that in this context is shiny object syndrome plagues every human that I know. It plagues me all, every day. If you can find a way to pick one or two things within real estate and the type of asset you want or the area, the location you want, and just focus on that as much as you possibly can, as hard as you can for, you know, maybe, let's call it a year, maybe two years. That's going to make a huge difference if you're focusing on that compared to if you have 35 different things you're thinking about all the time. Uh, that's not going to bode well for you and your portfolio or your family's wealth over the long term timeline. And you know, if, if you're looking to, again, spend your time and energy in the real estate space, 
I think focusing on a particular component of it, because there's a lot of different things you could do. You could be a hard money lender. You could buy residential, you know, single family investment properties. You can buy, you could buy luxury Airbnb rentals. You could buy small multifamily. You could buy large multifamily. You could put your money into a fund. You know, there's a hundred different ways to get into this business. Um, picking one of those things and maybe not becoming an expert, but really focusing in on it, I think is going to help. Um, somebody who's maybe entering retirement years or they, they know in the, in the next 5, 10, 15 years, that's where they want to be. Focusing on that one or two things now today is going to set you up for success, you know, down the road whenever, whenever it really, really counts. Oh, that's great. Great advice. Um, I, you know, I, I think that one of the things that I might just add to that too is, is, is for the investors. And this is for us investors. When you do go looking for those broker relationships, like you, you decide, yeah, you know, India is the market I want to go or Dallas or whatever it is. Um, you need to go ready <laughs> too. Um, right. You know, you, you've got to have, you got to know where your money's coming from. You've got to have that uh, either that mortgage broker or bank or whatever lined up ready to move especially in today's market but you know their brokers are so busy right now because there are so many things going on that they're not going to have time you know for you to go to this and then that and try to find this source of funding i mean you have to have that stuff in place and the good 100%. deals are going to slip away aren't they i mean seriously right. the the seller is going to go I can't, you know, I got to, I want to sell this property and, yep. and, and usually there's a timeline there. So, um, you know, just for them, I think that the relationship is so much better when you know, you've got somebody that's got the money and they're re ready to go. And then you can, you know, just use all your skills to be able to find them exactly what they want. Yep. Totally agree with that. Yeah. Awesome. You know, when I first met you, you were kind of, you know, starting out a little bit, I think. Right. And, uh, yeah. um, and you have just gone, I mean, through the raw, <laughs> I mean, you're like a top broker well. in Indianapolis. Well. You're doing really great. Yeah. Uh, what, what's, what's sort of your, your, your long play here? I, I know yeah. you're also very active investing too. And that's what I am. is a real yeah. plus because you understand us, you know, and, uh, um, and you know what a good deal looks like and, uh, from the other side, right? So what, what, what's sort of your long-term play? What excites you about your future? Yeah, I'll uh, I'll add some more color to that. When I was moving from Chicago to Indianapolis, that was actually part of my decision making process. Was I was looking at the market fundamentals of Indianapolis, comparing them to other markets, and it was very attractive. And this is back 2016, 2017. Really strong population growth, good job growth. There were a couple really big tech acquisitions um, here, business wise, that attracted talent from other from the coastal markets, business wise, and just human capital resources. And so I was looking at all those things, and that was that was exciting to me. Um, so today, you know, looking at all that, looking back, all of that kind of has, has come to fruition. I'm excited today now, though seeing all of that um, you know, gaining traction really because of the, that decision to come back and really build my business in Indianapolis because I knew I knew what the market looked like here um, that that excites me because I'm building on top of that base and what I've done with my business is is created this really again it's boutique and unique um, no pun intended but uh, we're out in the market um, you know, kicking and screaming, so to speak. And it's exciting. It's fun. We're making a name for ourselves. And I'm just really, I guess I'm grateful 
Uh, but it's exciting to me to see the decision that was made four or five years ago and all of those seeds being planted sort of come into fruition. But now realizing like, hey, look, four or five years from now, where do you where do you want to be with this? Because look what you've done in just a short amount of time now. You could really compound this growth. So having that traction component, um, because I was in a market where uh, business, I don't want to say business was easy, but because it was certainly complicated and difficult at times, but it was a lot easier than trying to get into the Chicago market or trying to get into the LA market. Um, as a as a you know younger person getting into this space, the fundamentals in Indianapolis just made a lot of sense to me. And, all, you know, cost of living here is way lower comparatively. Uh, cost of property, taxes, it, again, all those market fundamentals created a really good cocktail uh, for, for me and my business's success here. So, you know, I guess parlaying into, you know, the next piece of it is, you know, what's next is I am looking at implementing some systems and processes into my business to help continue to grow and scale. You sort of you just like you know, physical exercise, you work out for a while and then you can sort of plateau. It's similar in business and that, you know, the solutions um, that you came up with for, um, I'm messing up that quote, but there's something along the lines of solutions of today aren't going to fix the problems of tomorrow. And so I'm looking at, okay, well, where are the things that I need to adjust? Um, tiny changes in my business today to set myself up for success down the road. That's again, really exciting for me because I know I'm on the right path. Um, I'm already having traction. I'm reading a book called Traction right now, but I'm already having traction in my business and looking at implementing processes to further improve that and continue to grow, continue to buy property here in Indianapolis is uh, you know everything that I've ever wanted for the last five years. So I'm, I'm sort of living the dream, so to speak in my uh in my professional career that's so great that's yeah so great. Oh, it's, it's awesome. exciting wow well our time is kind of zipping by here i'm going crazy here i think it's just like uh, so much uh we're talking fast yeah but i like that i like that i get a lot more content yeah, that's good. <laughs> it's excellent we're now at our wrap it up segment cool. and um if you are ready we can go ahead and uh, wrap it up but you know this uh this one we ask you a series of quick questions about resources that have been of value to you and uh that hopefully it'd be of interest to our our listeners as well so let's spit Let's do it. Okay. All right. First question here. Favorite real estate book? Um, so I have two. Okay, uh, that's okay. okay. You can do two. Yeah. Yeah. There's two that, I, that come, whenever somebody asks me that, there's two that come to mind. Um, I wish I would have read these books early on. I read them later on in my career, which is fine. Um, but they're great for somebody starting out. And the first one is called Skip the Flip. It's by Hayden Crabtree. He's actually a friend of mine. I like that book uh, and skip the flip. You can probably guess where the title uh, leads to, but it takes some more advanced real estate concepts that if you didn't come from a financial background or real estate background, takes those com uh, confusing concepts and breaks them down into kind of bite-sized digestible pieces. And then the second book that I really like is, I think this is the title, it's Crushing It in Apartments and Commercial Real Estate. It's by Brian Murray. Yeah, Brian's um, been on the show. Yeah, no Cool, awesome. Times. Yeah. I love his book. Again, very similar. It takes some of those more complicated ideas about buying real estate and really just simplifies it. Makes it an interesting story, uh, makes it personable, makes it easy to relate to. And I think those two two pieces just, uh, you know, they, they resonated with me. That's great, great books, awesome. How about a favorite just general business book? Good question. Um, I I really like Extreme Ownership by Jocko, Jocko Willink. 
Mm. I think living by that, uh, you know, taking extreme ownership of your life and your business more specifically uh, makes and does wonders for you and your family and your community. That's great. Great. Uh, and how about a, a website that uh, you use that's just invaluable for you, both uh, as an investor and a broker? This is not a joke. I'm serious, but it's also a joke at the same time. Uh, and again, I have two. Google.com is the first one. You can learn so much getting online and just Googling for it. I've learned a lot doing it that way. Um, so Google. Secondly, CoStar, uh, hands down. Yeah, that's great. That's a great resource that I, not enough people you know, tap into, and I know it can get expensive, but it's a, it's a great resource. Um, how about a favorite app, something on your phone that helps you out? Um, this is going to be a gimme for you. It's going to be CoStar as well. They have a mobile app. It, the user interface isn't as great. There's isn't much information, but if, when I'm driving, if I'm driving down the road and I want to call an owner right then and there, or call somebody for a property right then and there, and I've got that app, um, I have one business that way doing that instead of writing it down and coming back to it later when I get home. Oh, really? That's great. So you yeah, can just do that. Mobile app. Oh, that's excellent. Excellent. How about a favorite quote? Um, well, shoot, I feel like I gave all the good ones away. Earlier. I know <laughs> you had a few of them in this. <laughs> you can so, do one of the repeats there. No, no, I won't repeat it. There's one that I think about a lot, uh, back. I can used to consume a lot of, uh, PD personal development content. And one that I like, I don't know. I do not know who said this. Um, you're going to pay the price of pain or you're going to pay the price of regret. Ooh, good one. Really good quote. We'll find out who this from. <laughs> and this one here, which I don't know if you've really had experience with, but I'm, I'm sure um, I'm sure you probably you know, have a great answer. If you lost absolutely everything, all your assets, and all you have are, is $1,000 in cash in your hand, knowing what you already know, how would you restart your real estate investing business or, or your real estate brokerage business? Yeah. Well, both. Um, I think first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go to uh, the phone store and I'm going to buy a uh, phone subscription. And then I'm going to make a lot of phone calls and I'm probably going to use, so I'll use maybe half the money on that. Probably use the other half, um, setting up some lunches and meetings with some investors um, to build my network that way. Ah, great. Great. Good. That's a good answer. Wow. Well, uh, Corey, this is, um, uh, this has been great having you Definitely. on. Definitely. Uh, just, uh, um, you know, I think that there's I, just, uh, you know, again, I, I think you, you, you're, you're a guy that's doing it right. And, uh, I also think that, uh, you know, for us, it's a, it's a win-win to, to have a broker like that who not only understands our needs, but doesn't waste our time, too, in the same way that we wouldn't waste your time. And Absolutely. So I think that that's, that's, a, that's a real plus, and uh, I can't. I can't say enough about you in terms of that. I mean, even when we met to lunch with my wife and you yeah. know, she already had you you know, picked for our daughter, but she got married and <laughs> just never came together. So, you know, <laughs> but that's great. But you're, you're, that's the kind of guy you're like, you're like, 
the guy next door, you know, the you, I appreciate just, that. people, you're a regular guy and, um, no pretense, you know, you're just, uh, just a good guy and your, uh, integrity means something to you and, uh, you live by it. Absolutely. And, uh, that's, that's awesome. So, um, anyway, enough, enough of the plugs here. I, I, you know, sure. I just, uh, I, I let other people decide to contact you, but, uh, I'm sure. sure that there are those that do want to talk to you and, uh, what, what's sort of the best way to, find out about you, maybe even the properties that you list and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, call gpg.com is my website. You, all my contact phone is there. That's probably the easiest way to get in touch with me. I, so call GPG, like phone call, um, GPG, my, my company. And then on Instagram, I'm Corey, the broker, C O R Y, uh, the broker. Pretty easy to remember. Awesome. Easy. That's easy stuff. <laughs> yep. And it's, and it's G P B wait no yep George Paul George okay gotcha all right there we go all right well um just so you guys know his name's really not George it's uh, Corey but <laughs> yeah <no>. it's call <laughs> GPG Gardner Property Group uh, okay <laughs> yeah not George Paul George <laughs> all right well uh you know you are it's the first time on the show so um you know what we do here and we're called the old dogs right and uh so I do, yeah. <laughs> and, and I know you've been practicing all week. So, uh, you know, do you want to just give us a good closing howl? Yeah, let's go for it. Oh, that was good. Good resonance on that. And, and, and the way it just kind of, <laughs> it just kind of held on and you wonder, whoa, is it going to keep going? And then it just Did like, it you know, that was good, man. That, that, that might good. be, you might qualify for the golden howl award, you know? <laughs> Uh, we we do have a real Golden Howl Award. Are you and, kidding? Uh, oh, that's no. great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got a sound guy evaluating every howl. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Corey, thanks so much for being on. It's been great. A lot of good information. A lot of good information. So thank you. Awesome. You're welcome, Bill. Have a great rest of your day. Appreciate your time. Yeah, well, I appreciate yours. And I also want to thank all our old dog listeners out there, too, for joining us. I know there's a lot of other things you, you could be doing right now, but the fact that you've taken the time to join us means a lot, and we really appreciate it. Now, please note, old dog listeners, everything presented today here by Corey is going to be outlined in detail in our show notes on the Old Dogs website at olddogsreinetwork.com forward slash blog. And you're going to look for the episode with Corey Gardner. Well, that's the show for today. Remember, cash flow is king and real estate investing the means. Until next time, keep moving forward and may God bless. Thank you very much for visiting the Old Dogs REI Network. We would greatly appreciate if you would stop by iTunes and let us know what you think of the show. We would love if you could subscribe to the podcast, give us a five-star rating, and write a review. The more ratings and reviews we receive, the more visible the podcast will be to others. Thank you.